Good morning. All of you spring breaking in Marshall, welcome. So glad that we get to gather today. Uh, my name is Chris, one of the pastors here, and uh, thankful that we uh, can look into the Word today. And uh, this is definitely a challenging topic. Uh, I'll just say it right out of the gate here. It's going to poke and prod at a couple things that you're not going to like, that it's going to make you think about some people and situations, and you may just go, Urgh. so we're going to try to deal with some of that today. Um, but as you walk out of here, you're not going to be fully resolved, and uh, you're going to walk out of here with questions and hopefully some wrestling. And uh, as I say this now, please don't wrestle alone. Uh, I want to say this again. Don't wrestle alone afterwards. So whether that's with us or with Stephen ministers in our church, whether that's a counselor, whoever that may be, I want you to wrestle with some of this stuff uh, because this is a definitely a challenging topic of forgiveness uh, that Jesus clearly addresses here and in other places in Scripture. So with that warm, excited welcome right there, um, before we jump into all that, I'm going to invite you to turn to Colossians 3. We're going to look at that as uh, really a, a core backing of that. But as you're turning there, I want to tell you about something first and uh, give you a sneak peek to some things that are coming up in the months ahead of us. When we look back at our church history, this church began in 1984 as a church plant from a church in Battle Creek. And, uh, and Pastor Gurton and Pam Gurton came over here and they planted this and it's been amazing since 1984. We're coming up on almost 40 years as a church. Uh, what God has done. Last week I talked about how when we pray for something, uh, God doesn't always answer it exactly in that moment as we pray it, and it's all resolved. More often, God gives us opportunities to walk out the answer to prayer, for us to be focused for his, for his activity and for us to participate in that. So as we look back over the history of the church, we think of opportunities that we've had, as we've had opportunities to minister to people of all ages, uh, to really invest in our youth and our children here, to serve our community, to support missionaries around the world, to send missionaries, and also to expand our building and our property here uh, in Marshall. Now, these have all been steps of faith that those who were a part of the church in the time stepped into and walked through. And so as we look ahead here, coming the week after Easter, we have another opportunity to move forward, just as Pastor Gurton and Pam in 1984 moved the church forward and that those along the way have another incredible opportunity that the Lord has set before us and we're going to walk through. And I'm not going to tell you all about it today because I'm going to tell you about it on Sunday, April 24th, as we're going to spend a good chunk of that service just unpacking what is this. But I want to give you a quick snapshot here of what this is and what it's going to do, because it's not just going to impact our church, but it's going to impact the community and our global and also local mission, and also, very importantly, your one, that one person that you are praying for, that you're walking through, um, sharing Jesus uh, with. So a couple of things here that you saw on your seat this morning I want to point out is your save the date card. These are yours to take home, uh, so grab them uh, around you, hang it up somewhere. This save the date card is a couple of reminders as we move through Lent and then ultimately to Easter, some dates there. But then you're also going to see our forward uh, uh, initiative that's going on here. And so there's a sermon series that's going to take place six weeks. And I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to challenge you to be here as many of those weeks as you can. Man, set the goal for all six, and if you come to five, hey, that's awesome. Um, try to be here for all of this, because it's going to be important as we talk about different things every single week with this. 
There's a number of special events which I'm going to unpack here in a couple of weeks of what they are and explain what they are, but go ahead and hold those on your calendar, and we would love to have you be a part of this, uh, just ending with a great celebration on May 29th. So take this card with you. And during this time, uh, there's going to be numbers of opportunities for you to grow. Uh, we have, um, we're going to be offering communities, and so if you, are going to hear about this again later, is that if you're currently in a rooted community, we challenge you to continue on in this forward community to carry forward with your group. If you're looking for a group, this is a great opportunity to get plugged in as we'll be walking through some material created by people here in the church, uh, and so we're really excited about that, <clears throat> and you'll have opportunities to sign up for that. But to kick it all off, on April 24th, we're going to have um, a sermon that day, but we're also going to have a block party. We're going to hang out, connect. This, uh, what you have before you, is um, something that you can give to your one. And I want to tell you is that this is not going to be, as we're out there at this block party, it's, we're going to have lots of opportunities, as you see, with inflatables, train rides. Yes, there will be a train here. Climbing wall, long games, cornhole, food, giveaways. Uh, there's not going to be a sermon. I'm not going to stand out there and, um, and preach or anything like that. This is a time for you to come, to bring someone with you, uh, to connect with them and others, and to come to this block party. And so you can take these and give this to your one, to a friend. There's some more out in the coffee bar. So start inviting people. We just want to have a great day with that. So you're going to be receiving a letter this week in the mail. It's going to tell you a little bit more about this. I know I'm being really vague. I'm very intentionally. Uh, tell you more about this. If you don't get this letter this week, contact Mary in the office, and we'll make sure that we get you one. And then again, April 24th, we're going to unpack this and tell you all about everything that's happening. So I uh, can't wait. I'm excited. And uh, it's going to be a cool season and great opportunity ahead of us as a church. So with all of that being said, uh, we want to jump into the message. And uh, we're going to begin, as we have the last couple of weeks, with a responsive prayer. And uh, you've done responsive readings in the past, and so this is a responsive prayer time. And so I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and the words are going to be on the screen. And with a prayerful attitude, I uh, invite you to read uh, these words and pray these words here. So we begin by saying this. On this day, we come into the presence of our God, praying with our Savior as he taught us to pray. We join with Christians around the world as we say, We have done things that we are ashamed of. We have done things that have hurt others. We have hurt others without even realizing it. We have not reached out to help others who need help, who are hurting or who are hungry. Help us to know when we have sinned. Help us to turn to you in repentance. Help us to turn to you for forgiveness. Father God, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for Jesus. 
The reason we gather here today is because of Jesus. But his work on on the cross and his resurrection and the, the life that we have because of Jesus. So Lord, thank you for the example of forgiveness that you offer through Jesus. And Lord, I pray as we uh, talk through and consider and process and wrestle with these next minutes together, Lord, that you do a work in us, that you would move us a step forward. Lord, a step toward you, a step in the direction that you're calling us to, to be more like you. So Lord, I pray that you would do a work, your spirit would move freely. Lord, that you challenge and you convict, you change us, whatever needs to be done. Lord, may we be open to you this day. We pray this all in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we begin to talk about forgiveness today, I want us to consider a few words. In a moment, we're going to consider the words from Paul and Colossians, but I want you to consider some words from Brennan Manning. Brennan Manning, he said these words. He said, you are never more Christ-like than when you are choked with compassion for the brokenness of others. You are never more Christ-like than when you are choked with compassion for the brokenness of others. I think we see this as Jesus ministered, as Jesus moved, as Jesus went throughout life, the compassion he was moved with and the brokenness of others. Often when we think of forgiveness, we are quick to think of our own situation and not look at the offender, not to look at the other person. It's hard to have compassion when we're hurt by someone. It's hard to consider the brokenness of others when we've been wronged. Jesus before we ever confessed sin, before we ever acknowledged him, he died for us. He was choked with compassion for our brokenness. So I want to start with this as a baseline today of what we think about when we're thinking about forgiveness, when we're thinking of our motivation. With that in mind, let's turn to Colossians chapter 3, if you're not there already. And we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, Paul wrote, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. With all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So as we look at this passage, Paul speaks of many things, but it's all wrapping around a common thought of what the old is and the new is. What we're to take off and what we're to put on. And packed right into the middle, there's two phrases that I want to point out today relating to what Jesus taught us to pray. Paul wrote, forgive one another and forgive as the Lord forgave you. So part of this putting the old off and putting the new on as following as a follower of Jesus is to forgive one another and to forgive just as the Lord forgave us. As Jesus taught us to pray, to forgive our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Or some of you may know it, forgive our trespasses as we've also forgiven those who have trespassed against us. But before we go any further, let's, let's get a pulse of the room, a, a little bit of a heartbeat here of the room, okay? So first, by a show of hands, how many of you are here? Most of you, thank you. Good. The others, please join us at some point. Second thing, how many of you love to ask for forgiveness? Like, it, it, just, it just makes your day. You love going to people and saying, will you please forgive me? Like, it, you're looking forward to doing that later today. Not many of us. Uh, so, okay. All right. How many of you have ever been forgiven? How many of you have ever forgiven someone else? How many of you need to forgive someone right now? Like, not in the moment. I mean, you do in the moment, but you, you know you need to forgive someone. Yep. All right. How many of you need to go to someone and ask for forgiveness? Wow. All right. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. So, so here we go. This is, this is getting more real. I just saw some scrunched up faces, too, as I was asking those questions. It's getting more and more real here. All right. So I appreciate your honesty with that. Now, each act of forgiveness begins with a choice. Now, we're very quick to say, well, my choice is either to forgive or not to forgive. I would say yes if you're not following Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, you have that choice. But if you are following Jesus, if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, that is not a choice. Scripture is extremely clear when it comes to forgiveness. I mean, there is not wiggle room. Let's look at a couple of these verses. Matthew 6, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Luke 6, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 11, and when you stand praying or coming to church and singing songs or praying, whatever, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Then in Matthew 6, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. It's hard to like interpret that in different ways than the way it's written. 
Scripture is extremely clear. If you claim to follow Jesus, if you want the forgiveness of Jesus, we have to forgive. We can't hold grudges and seek revenge. We can't bitter this, or harbor bitterness and, and try to enact justice and wrath on other people. That's not our job. It's not what you're called to as a follower of Christ. But let me be really, really clear about something. I need to tell you some things of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not. It is not forgetting the offense. We so often grab onto this forgive and forget when that's what God does. Not us. And it's like if Nathan walked up here right now and just punched me in the face. Not really. Safety? Where's safety at? If he came up here and he asked for forgiveness, I would forgive him. But next time I'm walking down the hallway, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm moving away, right? So it's not forgetting because it'd just be foolishness if he continued to offend me, if he continued to do this. Forgiveness is not that we have to be best friends. If someone has harmed you and you forgive them, it is not saying, hey, everything is in the past, and we're best friends, and we got to hang out all the time and do all that stuff. And what we're saying is we're not saying it's okay. So when you forgive someone, it's not saying that's okay what you did to me. Why is that? Because your pain is real, your situation is real, your experience is real, and the fact you do not want to forgive this person is real as well. These are all realities. But we're still called to forgive. See, in short... The reason why we're called to forgive is that if we do not forgive, we become slaves to bitterness, slaves to anger, and a slave to that person or situation or people. We think our anger and our rage and our frustration about them and our acting out makes them like, oh, it just keeps them away, but it chains them to us. Change them to us. Lewis Smeets, he wrote these words. He said, when you release the wrongdoer from the wrong, you cut a malignant tumor out of your life. You set a prisoner free. But you discover that the real prisoner was yourself. You realize when you forgive and you really walk in this forgiveness, there is a freedom like no other. But your bitterness and your rage makes you a slave to that person, situation, and people. See, this is hard. Forgiveness is hard because we're human. Forgiveness is hard because it is a process as well. Forgiveness is an event and a process, not just a process. Let me explain. I've shared before is that years and years and years ago, there were some comments being made that were intentionally trying to be damaging towards me. And I was angry. And I decided at some point early on, I was like, I'm going to forgive these people. Now, I continued to see these people. And every time it was this like, like everything came rushing back, right? What I had to be, remind myself of and embrace from God again was that I forgave them. That was the event. I chose forgiveness but I'm also in a process of continuing to forgive. It was an event and a process. 
And that process for me was probably five years that I would see it. Nope, I forgave. I forgave and I'm going to walk in that forgiveness. And over time, I could be around the people again. Now, we weren't best friends, didn't hang out, didn't share things with them. There's a boundary, which are healthy. Boundaries are healthy. But it's an event and a process. And you may be really frustrated because you're thinking of situations and people maybe from your childhood, maybe things that you've carried throughout your whole life, and you're like, I still have that feeling. I still have that rush of emotion, whatever that is. I thought I forgave them. And I keep doing what you're saying, Chris, but it's still there. See, we expect this like perfect forgiveness, but we're failed human beings. We expect this perfect love in the situation, but we're failed human beings who desire and who need the love of Jesus to cover, to fill those gaps where we can't finish the forgiveness, where we can't finish that love. It's where Jesus fills that because he perfectly forgave us and he perfectly loved. And that's where we lean into him to cover these imperfections. As you continue to have that feeling, you lean in again, I forgave and I trust in you, Jesus. I forgave and I'm going to believe in you, Jesus. I'm not going to believe those lies that are coming in my mind and my heart. I believe in you, Jesus, and I forgave and I'm walking in that forgiveness. So how do we lean into this perfect forgiveness and this perfect love? Because our choice is not to forgive or not to forgive if we're following Jesus. There's something more. And this is what Paul was teaching in Colossians 3. Let's go back to Colossians 3 and verse 1. And he frames it in by saying this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. So this is claiming to follow Jesus, confessing sin. He says this, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. There's an intentional choice that Paul says here. You're to set your heart and mind, not on earthly things, not on the situation and the people, but on things above. Our heart in our mind. It's a choice. It's something that directs us. And he continues on in verse 3 by saying, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death. There's some things in my life, in your life, when it comes to forgiveness, that we need to put to death. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. So I want you to think of these in the situation that you're thinking of with forgiveness or unforgiveness. See if any of these were coming because of the situation. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. See, it's putting off these old things and putting on the new. I'm sure you were angry or are angry. I'm sure there's rage. I'm sure there's malice and slander. Because that's our fleshly nature crying out, being like, I have to get even somehow. I have to speak this out. I have to do this. He continues on by saying, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian. This is a group of people that Paul mentioned intentionally because they were a despised 
group of people. So the readers would be like, yeah, Jew and Gentile, all right. Circumcised, uncircumcised, all right. Barbarian, yeah, I suppose so. Cynthia, no, not them. Because if you're like a lot of people, you can forgive the majority of the world, but there may be one or two people that you're like, nope. Nope, you have no idea. And I don't. And I'm sorry. This is what Paul's getting at. He's saying the Scythians is a despised group of people. You fill in the blank for who that person or people are. It's a slave or free, but Christ is in is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, here we go. Put on. This is what we're putting on. Clothe yourselves with compassion. It's what Brennan Manning was talking about at the beginning. Put on compassion. Put on kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, none of those things which naturally come out when we've been hurt. I am amazed if those things come out when you're hurt. That is awesome. But this is not natural, so we choose this. We choose to put our clothes on. We choose to put on compassion. We choose to put kindness. We choose humility, gentleness, patience. And it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Again, it's that love of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus that we put on when we just can't, when it takes too much Give it to Jesus again and again and again. And Paul writes, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When we walk in forgiveness, peace is something that just does not exist. Some of you have ducked in stores and neighborhoods and driving your vehicles for years just so you don't have to see that person. There's nothing in that situation that cries out, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Again, this is a choice. And as we look at this, where it says, rule in your hearts, when someone is ruling, I think of a king. And for a king, people would bow the knee. It's this choice to let the king rule. In this case, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It is a choice to bow your knee to the Lord and embrace his peace. And be thankful and let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, we give thanks. And in Second Peter, there's a very... Or similar type of passage where Peter writes, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Remember all those things we took off? We escaped those. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to read, excuse me, every effort to add to your faith goodness, 
to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. See, it's this adding, it's this progressing, it's this being reminded of whose we are. It's being reminded of the debt we had to God that Jesus paid for each one of us. To be reminded of whose we are. So it's not the point here today for me to like be like guilt and shame and guilt and shame and guilt and shame. That's so far from the reality here. It's a reminder that you have been forgiven and we walk in that forgiveness and that love. That is our motivation. That we forgive because we have been forgiven. And because of this too, this next verse, in verse eight, for if, now I underlined that, capitalized it, bolded it. If you write in your Bible, it's a great one to circle or put arrows at or highlight or whatever. For if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a single person here today who's like, yeah, I want to be ineffective and unproductive. That's just my goal in life. Like you want purpose and you want meaning and you want life and you want life to the full. So it's this increasing measure of growth and maturity, of putting on this faith, this goodness, this knowledge, this self-control, this perseverance, and ultimately the love of the Lord. It's increasing measure. So Paul says to set our hearts and our minds on things above. Do you notice that Jesus hung out with a lot of broken people? Do you realize that we're all broken people? There's something I realized a number of years ago is I am very much an introvert. And being around people, it, it still makes me nervous. It's true. Even standing in front of you. Uh, something I realized years ago that helped me connect with other people, to have more compassion, to have more uh, ability, was to see the brokenness of others. I soon realized that we're all carrying something. I soon realized that we all have this level of brokenness, that there's, all, there's stuff in our life that we carry, and that if I can see that in you and you can see that in me, there's something powerful that happens. Even in those who have wronged me, offended me, hurt me, it's much easier to forgive them when I can see the brokenness like Jesus does. It's setting my heart and my mind on things above. I still deal with the other stuff. I still have to do all the things that I've been talking about here. But it has changed the way that I can relate to people. And I pray the same for you too. Is that we're moved with a compassion in seeing the brokenness of others like Jesus did. I mean, throughout scripture, in Matthew 9, Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. In Matthew 14, Jesus landed and saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. In Mark 1, he had compassion for the leper. Jesus uh, saw an evil spirit in a boy and cared for him. The woman who was bleeding, he turned around. Jesus moved, trying to free people. And I think one of the powerful things that we can walk in is when we're freed from unforgiveness. 
We take those chains off of that person that's been in our situation and we set it aside and we set them free. Set them free. Again, we feel like we have power when we have them chained to us. We hold on to that anger. But there's power in forgiveness and setting people free. Again, thinking of what Jesus did on the cross. For God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave his one and only son. This is an extension of grace. I mean, Jesus could have just looked down and been like, none of you deserve this. No, not a single one of you. No, not this guy either. But he didn't. He died for every single one of us. He gave us a gift that we didn't deserve. It's grace. And when we forgive, it's grace. We're giving a gift that the other person doesn't deserve, and they may never even know that. But we're setting ourselves free. See, forgiveness is mentioned many, many times in Scripture. But one of the interesting things is that when Jesus talks about, like, the passages that we read is, you need to forgive, there's not a, like, here's your three-step program of how to forgive. Would have been nice if he would have said that, right? Just cleaned everything up. I think it leaves opportunity open for us to forgive and to walk through that process as an event, forgive, and then the process is that healing that goes on, that continuing to forgive again and again and again, being reminded. And so for you, Maybe that is going to that person. Maybe that's you going and say, you know what? I forgive you. Or I need to ask for your forgiveness. Maybe for you, you can't do that. Because it would just not be a good thing. It would be a toxic reality to go and do that. And so what you need to do is you need to find another way to forgive. Maybe that's writing a letter. Maybe that's, and then just tearing it up. Maybe that is just speaking it. Maybe it's someone who's passed away that you're thinking of. And the same thing, maybe that's writing a letter. Maybe that's speaking that out. Releasing that. Forgiving. Not for their good, but so that God, you are freed up. So I ask you the question. Questions. Is there someone that you need to forgive? Is there someone that that I need to go and forgive. That you need to go and ask for your forgiveness. Or maybe for you, you're struggling with unforgiveness because of something you did or said. And you need to receive that forgiveness from God. That he really will forgive that thing. Most importantly, have you received the forgiveness of Jesus? Have you confessed your sin that you are a sinner that you've been walking in your ways, and not his. So I invite you today just to take a moment, just to quiet your heart and your mind, and that you are prayerfully process this. Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to go to and ask for forgiveness? Do I need to receive the forgiveness of God? Take a moment.
you continue to process and pray, we're going to sing a song. I want to invite you to, to prayerfully pray this song. Maybe just to sit and listen to the words and allow the Spirit of God just to wash over you, to work in you. So would you either listen or pray or sing along to these words?
the last line in that song uh, so poignantly is tell the world of the treasure you found our motivation is the forgiveness we've received from Jesus and so we should freely offer that to others so let's pray merciful father gracious God we thank you for the forgiveness you have offered to us and Lord thank you that we have found life and life to the full and life eternal through Jesus the forgiveness of our sin so, Father, I pray that we would walk in that empowered and free from all things, that forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would walk free, God, as we have been called to forgive others as well. Lord, I don't know the situations. I don't know the, what's gone on in the past and what's going on. But, Lord, you do. And, Lord, you're in the middle of it. So, God, I pray that you would work by your Spirit's power to bring about forgiveness in the hearts of those who follow you. God, and offer that forgiveness, Lord, that there would be freedom, there'd be confession, uh, Lord, that you would do a mighty work, a new thing, God, in each person's life who walks in this. So, Lord, you're calling us to you and to this freedom. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Jesus, we pray these things, these, mercy, these, these things of mercy and grace and love that you've offered to us. We give you thanks. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.